0: It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy
1: from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, recording on February 4th, Monday, February 4th, 2019 just approximately 15 days into the LA Galaxy's preseason and 26 days until the match, until the first kick of the 2019 season against the Chicago Fire on March 2nd. So uh, a lot of things coming to a head. The LA Galaxy entering into basically their third week of preseason training with a little intra-squad scrimmage today ahead of a uh, a friendly against uh, Vissel Kobe uh, on Tuesday and then, of course, a Saturday matchup against Toronto FC, the first quote-unquote real game of the 2019 MLS preseason. A lot of stuff to get to. Some players uh, injured, some players not around. We're going to talk about that a whole bunch, but uh, before we get to any of that, we have to talk to uh, our intrepid reporter out there traveling the treacherous roads of Southern California in the inclement weather. Uh, Kevin is coming back from LA Galaxy training. LAFC had a uh, preseason game he was covering as well, so he's in the car this time. So, uh, Kevin, how's it going, buddy?
2: All oh, right. I mean, here in the Man City mobile, if anyone passes me, wave.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's not live, Kevin. It it doesn't work that way.
2: Oh man, I was hoping to meet
1: somebody. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't get any friends uh, that way. At least not this time. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I know you're you're hanging in there. Uh, the LA Galaxy had some training today um, that you were able to watch and and talk to some people and, and do some stuff. So I want to get to that uh, for sure. But I have to start off with two big things. Uh, our two big items that we've been hitting a bunch here early in the preseason, and to make sure everybody knows, uh, first of all, our best in the LA Galaxy shirts, our best in the Galaxy shirts, uh, are, are only... Only have one day remaining, so if you're listening to this on Monday or if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you probably still have a chance at ordering a shirt. I believe they close around 10 p.m. Pacific time on February 5th, so you have a chance. Twenty dollars helps you support the show. We got some great, comfy, soft, wonderful shirts. I think the design is great. So if you can do that and help sort of uh, 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 support us here in 2019, we would certainly appreciate it. Again, just twenty dollars.
2: Those are those are livestock free shirts, right? There's no barnyard animals, no bears. There, there's no, no animals of any kind on those shirts. No
1: animals of any kind, correct. Correct. So no no wow, panda why no pato. Want one of those? Yeah, I know. We we were going over this. We sold 33 of the panda and pato shirts, there, Kevin. Now, you could say they're like collectors,
2: collector's items.
1: Yes, I know. Collector's item. I I've, I've heard that. Um, so we're we've sold over 60 of the uh, best in the galaxy ones, so uh, hopefully we'll continue on that trend as it goes. And then the other thing I want to touch on before we get too deep is, of course, our live show coming up on February 16th, which is, of course, w- without Panda. There's no Panda in that one either. There's there's a lack of, of animals overall in our shows lately there, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be a worry for you uh, in particular. But anyway, the live show coming up on February 16th, that kicks off at noon, so 12 p.m., at Taps Brewery in Tustin. If you head on over to Corner of the Galaxy and you click the live button, you will see right there uh, all the information about this. The event itself starts at 12. We'll kick off the show at 12.30. We have some special guests. LA Galaxy Star Squad is supposed to be there. Cosmo's is supposed to be there. Uh, we have an LA Galaxy signed kit that we will be raffling off, and all the proceeds will go to the LA Galaxy Foundation. We'll be selling some of our scars. We'll have some stickers there. So all this stuff is, is great. There will be beer and food and all that fun stuff. Taps Brewery. February 16th at 12 p.m. is when it kicks off. You don't need to be there any sooner. We're not going to go earlier, I promise. I'll be there setting up from 11 to 12. So if you show up at 12, you're you you're perfect. You're good to go there. And then, of course, that's ahead of the LA Galaxy's preseason game with the Vancouver Whitecaps. All right, so, yes. You know who
2: won't be there? You
1: yeah. know who won't be there? Uh, No, tell me who's not going to be there.
2: Me? Oh, I'm not going to be there. That's, uh, the that's Panda right. has this feeling, sir. There's no Panda pictures on the t-shirt, so I'm not coming.
1: Yeah, that's right. I understand. I understand how that works. All right. That, we'll, we'll, Actually, I'll be, I'll be in
2: France that day.
1: In, Sorry. Yeah, you will be. Perhaps even at a soccer game. We're going to try to get Kevin to call in. We'll see how that all goes uh, as he gets ready to uh, cover the uh, U.S. women's national team uh, over there in France. So it should be uh, a, a lot of fun. We're glad that we can send, you know, it's almost like COG is sending you over there, except that we're not paying for any of it. So I really kind of enjoy that part of it.
2: Well, yeah, you're not paying for this podcast either. So, I, I'm
1: why change now? I, I'll tell you. I, I try to keep it consistent across everything. That's how it works. So, yeah,
2: that's good. I, I always know what I'm getting from you
1: big goose egg. That's a, a goose egg or, or a duck egg, perhaps. A pato egg. Duck egg, yeah. Yes, absolutely. A all panda right. egg. There Panda's are, lay eggs, right? Yes, exactly. All uh, right. They're in Sweden. We're, we're going to... We're, we need to please hurry up and talk about some LA Galaxy soccer before we get too far off on it. Well, no, tangent. what
2: about... We were, you said, you promised we were going to start with Super Bowl trivia.
1: Oh, I forgot about the Super Bowl trivia. All right. Tell everybody your Super Bowl trivia that you were able to dig up.
2: Well, first of all, the mls cup played in the same stadium mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta this is the first time the mls cup and the super bowl have been played in the same stadium in the same season uh and the mls cup drew 3,000 more people than the super bowl did the live audience was larger for the mls cup than the super bowl also this is the third time in five years that two mls owners met in the super bowl you have stan Kroenke, who owns colorado rapids and Robert Kraft who owns the New England Revolution uh, third time in five years that two MLS owners have met in the Super Bowl Robert Kraft's Patriots have won all three of those games although Robert Kraft has never won an MLS Cup
1: that's right Uh,
2: the Revolution have been there six times and they have never won
1: Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's always been uh, on the losing end for them, and in fact, uh, the New England Revolution have lost three times to the LA Galaxy, and that accounts for LA Galaxy's more than half of uh, the LA Galaxy's MLS Cups, so uh, a total of five. So yes, that's fun, and, and by the way... And,
2: and you know what, do- you, you, you make a good point, because not only did the, the Galaxy beat the Revolution three times for title, Remember, Boston beat the Dodgers, uh, so it appears to be as if the Galaxy is the only team that can beat somebody from New England for a championship.
1: Yes, yes, I was going to say, you rub, rubbing some salt in the wounds of Dodger fans and Ram fans all at the same time, just uh, just sort of, but yes, it is true, the LA Galaxy seem to be the only one uh, to have success against the New England teams, against those Boston teams, and uh, it's it's been a dominant success as well, and I've seen people on Twitter, Kevin, reacting to it, saying, you know, ESPN is is you know forgets Major League Soccer all the time whenever they're trying to compare uh, you know, major league sports and what the cities have done against each other this whole time. Um, so you keep doing that and you keep le- leaving out MLS and really it's the one play, one area where the LA teams have had the most success against the New England teams, the Boston teams. Um, so uh, I don't know, a little feather in the cap of the LA Galaxy that they're able to stand up and say, hey, yeah, uh, we've played Boston teams three times in an MLS Cup final um, and you know they've never beat us. In fact, uh, New England has, that, I think they, you said they've been there six times, is it six times or five times? I couldn't remember what it was.
2: I, I thought I counted six. Now, not all of them under Robert Kraft. Right. He bought the team I think in like 2002. I thought it was six times they'd been there, but suffice it to say, they've been there a lot of times and, and they've never won. I think they've won now six Super Bowls under Robert Kraft.
1: Yes, yes. So, uh, so very interesting. All right. So now let's get on where I I promised the uh, the Super Bowl stuff. Um, I was lucky enough to be traveling last night and uh, somehow uh, timed it perfectly so that way I didn't catch a single minute. Of the Super Bowl and uh, enjoyed my evening immensely. So uh, that was that was fun. And uh, you know, quite honestly, in my head, Kevin, there's no room for any other sports anymore. Um, I just have I just have MLS and LA Galaxy because there's enough things going on all the time that it keeps me way too busy to do all this stuff. So let's go back to the LA well, Galaxy. I, like, yeah. I
2: like what you, I, but I like what you call the NFL throw ball. That makes a lot of sense
1: to me. They do throw it, don't they? I mean, yes, they do. That's how it works. They I, don't kick it. They throw it. Yeah. I, I guess baseball could also be throw ball though, if you really wanted to, and hit ball. But hey, whatever. It, it, those are all stupid things. There's no need to gatekeep any of that stuff. I'm just not. I just don't get excited about the NFL anymore. So, uh, all right. Uh, Sebastian Lejet is one of the one of the big stories that sort of took over the soccer world here uh, over the weekend. Kevin, the U.S. Men's National Team going two and zero in their first two games under new head coach uh, Greg Berhalter. Uh, the real big deal for this, though, for LA Galaxy fans. Uh, is looking at Sebastian Legette, the time that he played and the impact that he made on the field, and especially going to Avaya Stadium, uh, the place where he was injured um, almost, I think, 22 or 23 months ago, uh, almost two years ago, um, and he comes back and uh, ends up getting a goal and an assist in 27 minutes of play for the uh, for the U.S. men's national team. Uh, so you were there at Avaya. What did you uh, what did you think of Sebastian Legette?
2: Well, it was real interesting because we talked to him, a lot of reporters talked to him the day before, because that was kind of the theme going in, is Sebastian Lejet coming back to you know the place where he got injured. He talked about it, but he seemed really uncomfortable and said that when he took the field for training, he would sneak a peek over at the area but where he got hurt, but didn't really want to think about it, wanted to put that out of his mind, wanted to, to build new memories. But, but it was, I mean, the parallels were so obvious. The same field uh, against a Central American team, um uh you know a a winter game very cold rainy day pretty much the same 25 friends and family members that saw him play the day he got hurt and remember before he got hurt he scored his first international goal was in a world cup qualifier It proved to be the winning goal in a world cup qualifying victory over honduras so now he's back to play for the national team again in avaya first time back there because the galaxy played their mls games at stanford stadium it was Sebastian Jets, first time back in Avaya. He learned to play soccer, playing for a club team about a mile away before Avaya was built. Um, so there was just all kinds of things going on there. Um, so he comes on, as you say, comes off the bench, 27 minutes left in regulation. He scored the first – it was a scoreless tie again, as it was when he scored against Honduras. Uh, much later in the game, though, scores the first goal into the same net at almost from almost the same place as he scored against Honduras. This time he scored with – a header as opposed to using his foot. Um, so the U.S., it, now was ahead 1-0, he was going to win 2-0. Then eight minutes later, he had an assist on a goal by Paul Areola. The assist may have been much prettier than the goal. It was a, a, a really good play. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Christian Ramirez of LAFC headed the ball forward to Sebastian Legette right into his path. His one-touch pass to Areola set him up perfectly for the goal. A- and then afterwards, uh, we could see Sebastian Legette at midfield, and he kept putting his hand over his face. And at first I wasn't sure if he was wiping, it was raining, maybe he was wiping rain off or whatever. And I asked him afterwards if he was crying. And he said, yeah, that he was, that the emotion just got the best of him. Um, When he thought about how close his career came to ending, coming back again in front of family and friends and, and redeeming himself and really exercising those ghosts that, that he admitted finally uh, were there to vie for him, that it was a real mental obstacle for him to take the field that day. And, I thought he looked great, you know, and he looked really good in the first game with the national team against Panama a week earlier right. in Phoenix. He would have had a goal, but as he as he set himself to shoot, he slipped and fell. Otherwise, he probably would have had a goal in that game too.
1: Yeah, I mean this is uh, this is really good news, I-, I think, for the LA Galaxy, Kevin. It's a it's a guy, Sebastian Legette, who came on, you know, strong in the last eight, nine, ten games last year. Um, you know, ended up I think putting about three goals into the back of the net. Not that I think that his position is is goal scoring anymore. It's more maybe distributor in the center of the field and you know trying to sort of be a good partner with Jonathan Dos Santos. And um, you can look at that, but I mean, you know, we talked about this. I, I think all the reporters, everybody who was following Sebastian Legette um, before. that 2017 season and sort of looking at what he was going to be able to do and how much the LA Galaxy were going to depend on him that year, Kevin. That was going to be a big year for Sebastian Legette. Everybody was sort of calling it, you know, his coming out year. Um, He gets injured. uh, That throws everything off in terms of, you know, his progression and what he's been able to do. And really, he didn't start hitting his stride and looking comfortable again until, you know, well into the second half of the season last year in 2018. So you're seeing now almost like the delayed reaction Action. You're seeing what we all thought Kevin would be the, the the logical progression of Sebastian Legette's career, which would be you know he's going to take a step forward, he's going to pick up his game, he's going to get that confidence of being a guy who plays you know all 34 games, plays all the minutes and the thing, and he's a he, he's really hitting his stride sort of you know in his in his pe- in the peak of his athletic career, and this is the Sebastian Legette that the LA Galaxy. Needed and were expecting, and it feels like you know, knock on wood, that everything's trending in that direction again.
2: Well, yeah, and another thing is, um, you know, Greg Berhalter plays a very similar system um, a philosophy that the Galaxy are going to use this year. And Greg Berhalter talked about how Sebastian Lejet had a real difficult time adapting to that. He, he he wasn't one of those guys that caught on very quickly. But once he got it, once he learned where he was supposed to be and what his roles were, and I think he's going to play a similar position for the as to played for the national team. But Greg Berhalter said once he got what they wanted him to do, then he excelled and did very well. Now, I'm not sure that he's going to play a big part with the national team going forward. They have a couple of friendlies coming up in March um, during the, the window, and then they'll play the Gold Cup. Uh, when they are able to call up people like Josh Sargent and, and uh, and Christian Pulisic. I'm not sure whether, um, whether Sebastian is going to be a big part going forward, but the confidence thing is really important. And when you go back to 2017, yeah, everybody was looking toward that being a big season for him. But remember, his start with the national team came under Bruce, Bruce's first January camp after he replaced Jurgen Klinsmann. There were a couple of guys, I think Sebastian was one, who had never been called up to the national team. Brian Rowe was another one in that camp. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to me that Bruce knew them, knew they were local, knew they were there, kind of wanted to fill out the roster to give him enough guys to have scrimmages with. I'm not sure that when Bruce called Sebastian up that time that he thought this guy is is going to be a fixture in the national team. Well, Sebastian proved him wrong and went on to score, again, the winning goal in Bruce's first World Cup qualifier. Now he is a fixture in the national team. And as I said, I don't know if he's going to play a big role going forward when the full team is there. but. He is in the conversation now. He's part of the pool. And uh, I'm not sure that he was two years ago. So, uh, you know, credit to Sebastian. He had that opportunity regardless of how he got it. He took advantage of it. And uh, he's got two goals and seven caps for the national team now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I sort of tweeted afterwards, I said, uh, exactly what you were saying, Kevin, which was, you know, he's now in the conversation, he has made it that he can make an impact coming off the bench, that he can do, you know, he can be a player that knows where to play in his position under Greg Berhalter, and that he at least has to be in the conversation, he at least has to be a guy who is a, you know, a good sub, and Kevin, I mean, we talk so much about starters for clubs and, and how it works. And certainly for the LA Galaxy, I think Sebastian LeJet is a starter and he should be a starter and, and all those things. But whenever you step up and onto sort of a U.S. men's national team understanding and, and sort of understanding where Sebastian LeJet might play, he's probably not going to be a starter. He's probably going to be a sub. So the fact that he shows an impact from that substitute's role, understanding what his job is, understanding the limited amount of time that he has, again, it opens up sort of the broader understanding of what it means and what he and what he can do to affect a game and whether that's starting or whether that's coming on as a sub uh, Sebastian Legette seems to be in a position now to sort of take his game to the next level so I mean if you're if you're betting out there if you're looking at things of, of who's gonna who can really make this year better than last year who can change things because Kevin you and I have talked about it and everybody else who's been on the podcast and you know anybody who's been following this team have talked about it there aren't that many new faces for the LA galaxy in 2019 um, the the technical staff is the biggest addition this year, um, out of anything. Um, so when you look at what has to change in order for the Galaxy to get better, it has to be some guys outperforming what they are capable of, um, you know, last year and and making that improvement. And I mean, there's even some stats that show that the LA Galaxy may have over um, maybe maybe overachieved a little bit in 2018 in terms of you know what they were expected to do and what they actually did, and if that's the case, if those stats are correct, um, when you look at, like, expected goals and all those fun things, I mean, listen, I don't like to get deep into it, but the bottom line is that some of those stats show the Galaxy outperformed really where they should have been. Uh, In fact, their goal differential, I think, is a plus six. So if you looked at the expected goals versus actual goals that they scored, they were a plus six, so they actually scored six goals more than they were expected to score. And you go back and look at the one-goal games the Galaxy played throughout the entire season, you could see where points were picked up or dropped. Uh, in a bunch of different places uh, to show really how big that six goals could be a difference. Um, so if you're going to see, if you say, if and you, and you believe that the LA Galaxy may have overachieved a little bit in 2018, you need to have significant improvements from guys who maybe had quieter years in order for 2019 to be any different than 2018.
2: Well, and you're right about the the spark. You know, he, uh, Sebastian came off uh, came on rather late in the second half against Panama, I believe the U.S. scored two goals with him on, on the field. Yes. Then they scored two more in San Jose, which he had one of the goals and then had an assist on the other one. So he did make a difference and and Greg Berhalter pointed that out that he came off the bench and he did provide the spark that the team wanted him to provide. And another thing that, imagine if Sebastian had missed the first month of, or well I guess he missed two weeks, two and a half weeks of Galaxy training camp. Imagine if he missed that and was playing a different style, Right. given how Greg Berhalter talked about his his difficulty grasping it at first. Uh, now he comes into camp. Not only is he completely uh, fluent in the style, but he's actually excelled using it. So he has the understanding mentally. He has the confidence that he knows how to play that, and, and then he just has the confidence in, in himself now that he's past the injury, that everything is good, that he's back to where he wanted to be. He said. He told us too that he didn't think that he still thought he was climbing. He thought when he was injured in March of 2017, he thought he was at the top of his game. He was as fit as he's ever been. He was playing as well as he's ever played. Uh, And he said he's not back there yet. He's still climbing. Obviously, given his performance against Costa Rica, and yes, it was a very young Costa Rican team. It was much better than the Panamanian team, the USB. But it was a challenging game. I mean, it wasn't like he was just playing, uh, you know, a high school JV team. They were challenged by Costa Rica. Um, So, uh, you know, I think, Sebastian comes out of that game really feeling good about where he is fitness-wise, where he is mentally, uh, and where his skill set is.
1: Well, uh, Sebastian Lejet, I think as you've said, uh, Kevin has already returned to training with the LA Galaxy, uh, was on the field on Monday, a rainy Monday, uh, for the Galaxy as they got back to their, as I said, uh, third week of preseason training. And uh, and once again, uh, the two-a-days are done, Kevin. No more two practices a day, which uh, you sort of see things start to Uh, taper off in terms of, you know, the actual physicality and and sort of, you know, Javier Valdecantos and running those two-a-days and trying to, you know, basically uh, burn those guys out or build them up is is really the, the bigger thing he was trying to do there. Um, and so you've seen that sort of taper off and now you get ready to start playing these MLS preseason games. I know there's a bunch of clubs around the league who have already gone in and played some of their preseason games. The LA galaxy will play their first of a preseason games, uh, starting on Tuesday against uh, Japanese, uh, club Vissel Kobe. Um, and this is a, a, a closed door scrimmage, um, that is, you know, I think open to a certain number of fans. It's, it's sort of open door. If you wanted to pay, I think 125 or $175, uh, uh, to go see this? Yeah, that's, this a, particular...
2: that's a big key to open that door. Yeah, very it,
1: expensive key. It, it is. It, it, it included a, a whole bunch of uh, player signings uh, from the players from uh, Kobe. uh Dava via, uh, Andres Iniesta, and uh, Lucas Podolski. I believe is the, were the three who that...
0: will, who by
2: the way will not play. At least that's my understanding. That they will not play in that game. They'll play. I believe if they're going to play, they're going to play in the night game tomorrow night at Orange County Pretty Good Park. Um, they will. Uh, <laughs> have a game Tuesday night against, I believe, Orange County Soccer
1: Club. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. People were asking, are they really playing, you know, two games in one day? And the answer is yes, they really are. Um, how much of a game it is on Tuesday is, is sort of left up in the air, and I, I certainly think you're going to see a whole bunch of reserves and guys who are there um, to do that, um, play from both sides. Um, we'll see what the LA Galaxy ends up trotting out. The Galaxy were in training on Monday, Kevin, doing an intra-squad scrimmage. Um, you know, just from, uh, from the reports that we got uh, from you there and, uh, and from other things on Twitter, uh, it looked like the LA Galaxy were rolling out at least on one side of a, a fairly close to starting lineup or at least a, a possible starting lineup uh, on one side, uh, and that included Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimović up top, that Ramon Alessandrini on the left, uh, Sebastian Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos filling in the center. Uh, you had Uriel Antuna, uh, the youngster, the loney e for Manchester City, <laughs> (laughs) 21 years old uh, on the right-hand side of the midfield. Uh, Jorgen Shelvick playing at left back. You have Polenta and Steris. So Diego Polenta, we were going to do a thing where in the world is Diego Polenta. Uh, We told you on Thursday night that he's training with the LA Galaxy, and again... He's training with the LA Galaxy, uh, and he continues to. So Diego Polenta will be uh, will be there in the center back. Daniel Steris was next to him for a little while, I think, until Dave Romney uh, eventually subbed out for that, and then Rolf Felcher on the right-hand side. At least that's how uh, they started at one point. So, uh, Kevin, you were there at training today, dodging the raindrops, uh, as most pandas do. Uh, what, did you, uh, what did you learn at training today?
2: Well, I learned I'm not very good at dodging raindrops because I got drenched out there, but... I did see Rolf Felter. He was coming up the steps, uh, leaving the training field when I was going down to enter the training field. Um, He, as you said, he was playing in the scrimmage. He had some sort of a leg issue. Didn't appear to be very serious. He wasn't in any pain, that I could tell. Uh, He was kind of rubbing his leg, but he was walking on his own. He had no trainers with him. um, And, like I said, didn't appear to be in any pain. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos did not even uh, come out. Uh, I don't know if he was working in the gym or what. Uh, I was told by Dennis DiCloso that, that Gio had a, uh, a leg issue as well. Um, closer said it was not the hamstring, which, as we know, has bothered Gio for the last two years. Uh, and nobody seemed to be concerned about it. In fact, some other Galaxy front Office people weren't even aware that Gio wasn't there. Um, so that's, uh, you know, the level of concern was not high. But maybe it should be, because this is, again, I don't know the the particulars, but... We all know how many training sessions Gio uh, did not t- participate in the last couple of years with different leg issues and different cramps and, and all kinds of injuries. Uh, you know, we're barely two weeks into training camp, and already he's missing the first, appear to be the first major scrimmage of the year, inter squad scrimmage. So I, I do think there should be a little bit of concern, if not for his physical health, maybe for where he is mentally. Um, I thought Roman Allison really looked really good, though. Maybe some of the people that were out there, uh, he scored a goal and a beautiful shot. Um, appear to be very active uh, I, I, I'm i getting that you know maybe people that were there saw a different Green than I did I thought it was great and, and I think perhaps this whole contract thing um, he's the one that seems to take it to heart the most uh, Jonathan is absolutely sure Gio's coming back Gio we don't know what he's thinking because he hasn't talked so said it's all going to work so roman has been the one that's been talking about how much he wants to come back and how much he thinks he's a DP. and 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 how much he loves this team and how sad he would be if something happened. Um, You know, he may be very motivated by everything. Uh, So far, early in camp, he's looked really good. This could turn out to be a big year for him, and if it does, it'd be interesting to look back to see whether all these whispers about who has to go to make room for Zlatan, whether that had any influence
1: on him. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about um, just Roman Alessandrini and the fact that he is one of the guys who I think would take it personally uh, if he didn't have a designated player spot. He's come out and said he deserves a designated player spot, and by the way, he's right. Um, but, you know, whenever you look at all that and, and how it goes, we've we've uh, we've gone through many times and said that he would be somebody who you could, like, renegotiate a contract with just because of the money and the way the money lines up. Jonathan Dos Santos might be a little bit harder to do um, in terms of trying to renegotiate. Negotiate a contract, but also fairly close in terms of um, you know how much it would take to sort of renegotiate. I, I think, though, for the LA Galaxy, looking at Ramon Alessandrini longer term is probably you know a smarter move for them. And so, if they go and do that, uh, if they look at Ramon, they can they can make up that money long term with Jonathan Del Santos and. Especially with him talking at one point, Kevin, about having, you know, three more years left on his contract and uh, the Galaxy seemingly being uh, unable to confirm about whether or not their player who says he has three years on a contract uh, has three years on a contract anymore. Um, you know, if he still has three years, that would be a much different situation than Ramon Alessandrini, whose contract is up at the end of the season. So, renegotiating Ramon Alessandrini's contract again seems like the likely um, person to look at if you're going to redo it. But you, uh, you know, you talked about the psychological or uh, of Giovanni Del Santos, and I wonder about the psychological impact of Ramon Alessandrini, just in terms of if you do sort of take that DP slot away from him, even if he's long term, even if he is that is that what you want? To do, we talk about players being, I don't know, uh, mentally uh, soft sometimes. And I don't think Ramon Alessandrini is that, but you can get to somebody's motivation rather quickly sometimes if you strip something away from them. And so, you know, maybe Ramon right now is just sitting there trying to fight every fight he can to really sit there and say, listen, I deserve to be where I'm at, and nobody's going to take that away. I'm going to show it in training. I'm going to show it in games. I'm going to show it on the field uh, that I deserve to be here, that I deserve to have that designated player. And, by the way, I also deserve to have a longer contract, and I want a longer contract, and that should be part of all of this as well because he's been talking about uh, you know, trying to get an extension with the LA Galaxy as well. Well,
2: before we started the show, you were giving me a hard time about – not watching the scrimmage close enough to know how many passes were completed between the center back combinations and, and the reason I didn't know that Josh was because I was doing something called reporting Yeah. and I was actually talking talking to people out there mm-hmm. and I found out some things about I know we've gone over this ad nauseum on this show and you've done it with, on your other shows talking about you know will Gio be back and which, who, which designated players are coming back first of all they don't have to make the decision until March 1st that's when the rosters have to be set so they have until March 1st to do that Secondly, if the Galaxy decides to buy Gio out, which I know some fans are hoping for, um, that is not just the Galaxy deciding on their own. Gio has to sign off on that. It's a little bit like buying a house, I guess. You know, you know, Both sides agree on a price, and then both people have to sign the contract. So if Gio does not sign that contract, I mean, he's going to get his 6000000 million-plus no matter what. If he plays for the Galaxy, if he, if he buys out. Um, he may not want to sign that piece of paper and, and you might say well that that would be that would be stupid why not take the money and go play somewhere else well there may be something you know to wanting to stay with his brother there may be something about not wanting to be the guy that gave up on his career in mls there may be a lot of factors that keep geo from signing that piece of paper and if he doesn't sign that piece of paper my understanding is that he remains uh, a member of the galaxy as a dp making six million dollars and so when you talk about what seems to be the easiest thing Again, you, you look at Roman Allison-Greeny, just under $2 million, they need to buy down about half a million dollars to get him under the 1.5 that they could use TAM money uh, and other resources to, to keep him on the roster as a designated player, uh, without being a designated player, excuse me. So what's in it for Roman? Well, he wants a long-term deal. He wants an extension. So, I, you know, again, we have talked about this before. The Galaxy go to him and say, look, we're going to take $500,000 from you this year. We're going to extend you two to three years. We're going to give you a, a, a sizable raise. You're going to get your money down the road. Uh, we're going to get out of this little problem that we created for ourselves. And you get what you want, which is the stability and the knowledge that you're coming back. They should not blow this with Ramon. Ramon is a guy who's now applying for a green card. He set down roots here his first offseason. He stayed here, didn't go back to France. His girlfriend really wanted to go back to France, and and they did go back this year, but Ramon is exactly the kind of foreign-designated player MLS in the Galaxy 1, a guy who's committed to the league, committed to the city, wants to stay here, is not here for the money, is, is here now because he really loves being in Southern California. You know, don't blow this. Don't make this a bad thing um, by fighting with this guy over uh, this contract issue. I don't know how it's resolved, but the other uh, piece of reporting I learned today is that um, what I was told by a Galaxy uh, official was, look, give us some time. Give us, you know, be patient. Um, and Guillermo Barroscoletto said last week that he thought this would happen in a few days, that it would all be resolved. Right. I heard the same thing from Dennis DeClosa. This will be resolved shortly. I was told today, give us some time. And I said, well, tell me where to look. Should I expect someone to get bought out? Should I expect someone not to be here when the season starts? And um, should I expect uh so much contract to be redone and the answer was yes. Yes. I said, so Well that's three questions. They just said, give us some time, give us a couple of weeks to work this out. So it could go pretty close to the deadline.
1: Yeah, and you know, we sort of said as much that we thought it might extend that far because there really is um, you know, there's the only time limit that's really placed is that March first date. There's nothing, and there's probably. I mean, I think for the players themselves, it would nice to be. It would be nice to be settled and understand what's going on. Um, but at the same time, you understand that March first is that date, um, and that ultimately, I don't think it hurts the galaxy a whole bunch. I'll tell you where it could hurt the galaxy, though, Kevin. If the galaxy decided to go out and and they could get Giovanni dos Santos to agree to a buyout. Um, If that happens that that does open up something for them that they don't currently have in their hand and that's 1.5 million dollars in Tam. Uh, if they're able to buy out Giovanni Del Santos, yes, it costs them six, six and a half million dollars. If Gio agrees to that, it costs them that money. Um, but that money doesn't hit the salary cap. In fact, that money just goes away in terms of, okay, you just pay six, six, six and a half million dollars and it goes away. What that does do is open 1.5 million dollars. in TAM though, that you were, that everybody was expecting somebody to hold uh, there in their hands. And the fact that it's not being used right now, um, that it's sort of as a placeholder in case they have to keep all for and buy down uh ramon alessandrini it's not really even a buy down i want to stop using that term because you can't buy down his contract there's nothing you can do that would allow you to put apply money to his contract to buy it down under the 1.5 million dollars there's no mechanism in mls to allow you to do that what can be done though is basically to say we're going to give you a new contract which by the way ramon also has to agree to so if nobody agrees to anything here kevin it could get real ugly um, in terms of what the LA Galaxy need to do and, and what they could do. Um, so, all those things sort of look, but if, if Roman agrees to that new contract where you take away you know the $300,000 that basically he was going to make this year uh, to get him to that $1.5 million um, and then ex- give him more than $500,000 on the back end and the next year and give him a sizable raise and the next, give him a three year contract. Um, you know, it, all that stuff sort of leads that way. But if the Galaxy can buy out Gio and he goes away, the Galaxy get basically one or two more players they're able to pick up. And you heard uh, Guillermo Barros and you heard Dennis Declosa talking about sort of their hands being tied and where it was at. And uh, uh, Barros Colotto even said he was talking about how, um, yes, they want to bring in some more players, but right now it doesn't look like they're going to have that room and the transfer window doesn't open until February anyway. Um, so you, you have all these things that sort of come into it. It, it it seems to me that if the Galaxy buy out Geo, that it could open up a significant amount of money for them to invest back in the team, and especially back in that defensive area.
2: Well, here's another option that Geo may have unwittingly uh, given to the Galaxy: um, the Robbie Rogers rule. Remember, last year Robbie um, did not play all season, and as far as I know, got all of his money. He was uh, the Galaxy used some. Uh, roster mechanism in, in May to say that he was an injured player and was not going to play, and I believe that money did not count against the salary cap. Uh, you know the roster rules way better than most people do. What would it be to prevent the Galaxy from saying, Gio's hurt, he can't play. Um, we're going to pay him, but he's not a Would he still remain on the roster as a DP? Would he still take that spot?
1: It's, yeah, it's so it was the season-ending injury rule. And if you declare a player before a certain date of the MLS season, um, and I don't know what that date is, but it is early in the season. Uh, If you declare that that player is going to be on the season ending injury list and will not be available, you're allowed to sign a replacement at the same amount of money that that person cost you. Now, because they're a designated player, the technical cost of that is, you know, the $510,000 that a designated player takes up. Um, so I would be interested to see what MLS would say of that rule. And if the season-ending injury rule even applies to designated players, which you imagine it would, but does that mean you could go out and if you had a designated player that was, you know, $1.5 million and he got hurt, um, could you go out and get somebody for, you know, $7 million? And does that still satisfy the rule? Because technically the cap hit, uh, the cap amount was still the $510,000 um, that it costs for a DP against the salary cap. So um, so yeah, qu- there's n- Yeah, but
2: nobody really cares about the money. It's the DP spot would it, they be able to do they have to wait until may to decide he's out for the season or could they say tomorrow that you know oh it looks really bad we think he's done for the season therefore we get another dp back
1: i think mls would mandate that it be substantiated in some way i mean it can't just be that geo has another uh, you know nagging muscle injury um so quite honestly well, if, yeah if,
2: if vermont went in there and broke his leg yes like like you know he's a ball peen hammer and just crushed his Question: his a uh, steamer would that work?
1: He so thought he was gonna Nancy Kerrigan him. Is that what it was? What he's gonna yeah, do? yeah, I was yeah. thinking, yeah. Okay, so yes, um, yeah, I, I don't know how MLS would react to it again. There's, there's a provision that allows you to replace one player under that season-ending injury rule. Um, I just don't know how it applies to designated players and what, and the money does matter because ultimately MLS could be like, yeah, you can replace them with somebody, but it, you can only replace them with somebody who costs you exactly, you know, five hundred and ten thousand dollars. Or something. And then it's like, oh, well, you don't really have a designated player spot open then you have one open, but it, you can only use it on somebody who's going to cost you 510,000. Again, it gets, it gets iffy and sort of, okay, does that make any sense type of thing? Um, when you look at what the, what the designated player rules are and, and what the season ending injury rules, I'll tell you, MLS doesn't like it whenever you try to manipulate around their rules. A lot of times, Kevin. So a lot of times they'll say, no, you can't do that. Uh, Bruce Arena was really good at saying, well, if the rule, if it doesn't say that, then we can do it. Um, and Bruce was successful yeah. in getting that through, but ultimately it's still major league soccer who gets to say, yeah, even though you're trying to go around our rules, yes, we'll allow you to go around our rules, Well, no, we're not going to allow you to go around our rules.
2: Well, I I think it it would seem to me that to the consternation of the rest of the league, MLS is going to smile on the Galaxy, whatever they do, because essentially what what, what MLS gets out of this when all is said and done is they get Blatant Ibrahimovic in the league for one more year. um, And you know the Galaxy needs to find a solution to that. Now... We know that is not the guy that's going to go. It's going to be something... The Galaxy will lose somebody else, but the, the bottom line is they're, they're going through all this pain and misery to keep Slotan and I think MLS is going to be only too happy to see that happen.
1: Well, uh, some other... Uh, I, I just... Before I move on, I, I, just to close it out, I mean, I think that this is this is a, a very interesting sort of thing. Whenever you have players who have to give their approval, both Roman Alessandrini and, in my mind, uh, Giovanni Del Santos, and I've been told, by the way, because there's been questions asked, you know, can they actually uh, renegotiate, you know, Roman Alessandrini's contract? And it seems like there's nothing within the rules that says that they can't, even with the transfer fees or, no, or other things. Yeah, that I've been told. I've
2: been told that. But I've been told by a very high-ranking MLS official that you can tear up a contract at any time, yeah, as it, long as both sides agree. That, both sides have to agree. That's now, and the, the union, yeah. now, in, in another sport, the, the, the players' union would step in and say, no, you can't do that. I, I know it would do it in baseball. and would probably do it in other sports as well, saying, you cannot force this player to take a reduced fee, and the team's going to say, well, the player agreed. And the union, again, will say, well, you kind of forced him to agree. So, But first of all, the, the MLS players' union is pretty toothless. And secondly, if, if Vermont Allison Greeny can show them that he got something out of this, that he got the extension he wanted, and they're giving him his money maybe twofold down the road, um, who knows? It may, you know The union may, may say, that's money you may have gotten anyways. We're not going to allow this to happen. Right. I, I just think the union is too toothless to stand in the way of, if that's the way that Galaxy decided to go forward with this.
1: Yeah, and you, and you could be right. You could be uh, very right with that. All right, uh, one of the other interesting things I think that came sort of from this uh this intra-squad scrimmage, at least from what we've been able to discern, is that Jorgen Shelvick, uh, one, is a starter, which I think we've been telling you would probably be a starter, uh, and two, that Jorgen Shelvick was playing left-back. Um, so, I think that that's an interesting turn of events. It's it's a position where he has played before. Uh, it's not his main position. He was a left, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of left-footed center-back, the same as Diego Polenta, uh, with Polenta coming in and, again, mm. not official, but I would imagine Kevin, just as Antuna last week, that as soon as we're done with this show, they'll make something Official that way. the show is completely out of date almost immediately. Uh, that usually happens well, yeah, anyway.
2: I mean, the, the idea that they haven't made it official already. He was out there training. He's been training. He was practicing. It's not because his LA Fitness membership expired and he needed some exercise. He's training with the team because he's on the team. Right. And he's not on the team unless he signed the contract. So uh, the Galaxy is just dragging their feet waiting for some big announcement. But yeah, he. Don't worry about it. It's done. He's playing. He's going to be a starting center
1: back. Yeah, he certainly seems like uh, he'll be there. So anyway, a uh, Shelvick playing the left back uh, role there is uh, is something that was predicted early on, uh, especially last season. It was something that people thought maybe he could he could eventually move over and do. Uh, so Jorgen Shelvik in there and doing that. I think Dan Stare is getting a start there at center back is interesting. I think the uh, the battle between who will be that second center back for right now between Stares and Romney will be uh, of course uh, always always fun. And then the Felcher injury. Kevin, you know whether it's serious or not. Again, highlights the fact that the LA Galaxy don't have any depth over there, um, and they haven't had any depth at right back since I don't know since Robbie Rogers and AJ De La Garza were on the same team. It feels like um, Dan Gargan. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, Dan Gargan. Maybe, maybe that's maybe you're right. Maybe that's the when they had depth at the right back role. So um, no. So you look at all those things. Uh, the Galaxy again highlight that in terms of you know looking at where the depth is in defense, and it was uh, uh, Julian Arajo who subbed in, uh, apparently in place of uh, Felcher. So, I mean, listen, I said the LA Galaxy were probably short two or three defenders. I have a feeling the LA Galaxy will sign two or three defenders, but I don't know that any of those two or three defenders you're going to see are going to be starting defenders uh, without, you know, some sort of resolution, without the buyout of Giovanni Dos Santos. The buyout of Giovanni Dos Santos really does fix, I think, a lot more problems, Kevin, than just the simple fixing of of Alessandrini's contract to just sort of reflect it because Ramon Alessandrini is going to go take up that 1.5 million dollars the Galaxy probably need to buy maybe one more starter on the back line and maybe another defender uh in terms of a bench defender to sort of solidify that back line right now otherwise you're going to look at these guys who are trialing with the LA Galaxy you know the DD the Didi Traore, the, the Julian Araujo, um, you know, these guys, and and you're going to look at the uh, Tomas Hilliard Arceys, you're going to look at the uh, Hugo Arianos as the guys who are going to have to end up backing up that bench if if that doesn't happen and come through.
2: Well, I was told at the beginning of, of last month, beginning of January, that the Galaxy would sign two more defenders, and we got one in Polenta. So uh, if they're true to their word, there's at least one more coming.
1: Yeah, or it could be one of the guys they have trialing with that they're going to sign, and that's the end of that too, you know? I mean, it, 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 saying you're going to sign somebody doesn't exactly mean that it's going to sign somebody of note, although I think we both believe that it would be somebody to have some impact on this team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, y- you look at all. List. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the interesting things, or, or certainly one of the things that we've been following um, sort of throughout the preseason, Kevin, has been, you know, Javier Valdecantos and, and his Sort of uh, imprint on this team very early, and the players talking about how exhausted they were and how uh, they're barely surviving uh, this preseason. And now that the two days are over, maybe that that lightens up just a little bit. Although with Valde I'm sure he figures out a way to still torture these guys and make sure they're going to be in shape for the season. Um, but w- did, what do you think? I, n- I know you did a little bit of a transcription. You sort of read through some interviews that he's done. What What do you think of uh, Javier Cantos so far? Well,
2: real quickly on the on the um, trialist. People have been asking me what happened to Baggio who's finished with LAFC. He was there for he He only signed a contract as a week trialist. uh, That's uh, as long as he had seven days. Played in one scrimmage, I believe, or one uh, closed-door game for LAFC, and then was let go. Uh, He's no longer with LAFC. My guess is Bob Bradley, knowing that Baggio is a a veteran, was going to treat him like a veteran with great respect, and looked at him and said, he is not a lead pipe cinch. He may make our team may not can't guarantee that he's going to so I'm going to let him go now early so he can go hook on with somebody else and I thought that was a class move by Bob Bob Bradley so Baggio looks like he will not play for any team in LA uh, next season as far as Valde Cantos our friend John Rojas did a long interview with Valde Cantos in Spanish Uh, it was was very good very enlightening and I had a chance to listen to that the other day Um, and basically what what Valde Cantos is saying is yeah he knows he's a difficult trainer but he said Look, what you do in soccer. The demands in soccer are—you're going to run 10 to 12 to 14 kilometers in a game. You need to be in shape to do that. And so, to, the only way to 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 you know get to that fitness level is to work really hard in training. But he did talk about how he said people look at what he's doing now and they look at it in you know and compare it to what trainers did 10 or 20 years ago. And Valde said the game is not the same anymore. When you look back at 20 years ago, he said, look at a tape of the game, and yes, guys then were running 10 kilometers as well, but, but they were moving at a different pace. They might walk for a while, they might jog a little bit, they might sprint every once in a while. He said the game now is such a, at such a high tempo that players, it, there's 10 kilometers, a lot of that 10 kilometers is sprinting. That guys run all the time, and it's much more demanding than it was, and so trainers have to be much more demanding. And he said, when people give him a, a lot of static for how hard players work, it's because they're thinking back to the old days. And he said, that he said it's the same it's the same sport, but it's a totally different game. Um, he also talked about the difference in players because uh, John asked him, Look, is, is, is Lockdown going to do the same training as Ephraim Alvarez? And he said, No, you have to look, everyone has to do this uh, uh, similar training, but the workload, the volume, the intensity is going to be different. You don't train a 35-year-old the same way you train a 17-year-old. He said that would be ridiculous. Everyone is working hard, but the workload and the intensity is tailored to each player. So it's it's not quite uh, um, you know, the torture chamber that has been made out to be. It, it, in, in fact, if anything, it's very well thought out. It is structured and it is tailored to each player, so each player works a little bit different. You know, it, I think we could all agree that Dave, Dave Bigham is not going to have to run nearly as much as Ola Kamara. So they're going to have different kind of training regimens.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly seems that way. Um, no, I, I thought it was interesting watching the uh, Boca Juniors documentary um, that that I, I finished um, last week. I, I thought it was really interesting, Kevin, to see that Valdecantos was you know is sort of this big technology guy too. Um, at the training facility for Boca Juniors, they had all these uh, digital light boards in which the players had to go and step on different squares in order to turn off lights. And I'd really like to see him bring something like that to to the LA Galaxy in Major League Soccer um, because I think that you know. it, it, it at the beginning of this, Kevin, where I wanted some 60-year-old Argentinian who was sitting there um, and, you know, and smoking a cigarette and yelling at guys, and in a way you have a guy who's really, who's in really good shape, uh, who is forcing these younger guys to go through stuff that I'm sure he could probably participate in as well, even though he's 60 years old, but he's a technology-driven guy. He likes the GPS tracking. He likes to be able to use that GPS tracking to sort of force these guys into saying, hey, you know, uh, the guy you're competing with over there, he did uh, 97 accelerations, and you only did 48 in the same training session. Um, so, you know, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you running as hard as he is? Because, you know, that guy's going to start over you if not. So, he uses it as motivation, he uses it as tracking, he uses it to keep track of players to see how they recover and all these things. So, he's a technology guy, and I think that's something MLS has been using up to a certain point but not in the same level that they were doing it down at Boca Juniors in Argentina. And certainly uh, maybe not on the same level as they do around the world. And so if Valdecantos can actually go and bring that to, um, to the, uh, to the LA galaxy um, and something, I, I think that would be a huge, you know, sort of, sort of boom for the, for the LA galaxy in terms of, you know, trying to do something that is different, that is cutting edge, that is going to get, Um, you know, the results that other people aren't doing again, it's about returning the galaxy who were once the crown jewel of major league soccer back to the top of that mountain uh, to say, Hey, uh, we do everything better than everybody else. We do everything bigger than everybody else. We win championships. We win games. It's all that stuff. It's that swagger that has been missing, you know, really since Bruce arena left. Um, And so that's something that for some reason, I feel like Valdecantos is bringing to the LA galaxy already is that we're just going to work harder than everybody else. And if that's the case, then we're going to be in better shape than everybody else. And, uh, I, I know some players are even saying, you know, this is when we get ahead. Uh, this is how we take that step forward. We know that we're working harder than everybody else right now, and that's going to help us uh, whenever we go into uh, into this season.
2: Well, yeah, that's what Bradford Jamison said, that yes, this is really hard right now, but we're going to be able to pull on this when it, you know, in the middle of the season when we're all tired and we're going to play a hot game in Houston. We're going to be able to look back and say, we got this because we trained so hard in the offseason. Another thing that... Valdecano's talked about is you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about look if you're training as he admitted these guys are training to run ten kilometers. Well, you know when I was in college running track back in the days of black and white TV, we trained a totally different way to run ten kilometers than the Galaxy training. And Valde had an answer for that too. He said this is all sport specific. You were running ten kilometers in a circle. You were not running with a ball at your foot. So they are training. In a way so that you can, uh, so that they can be fit enough to cover that distance, but also be, be skilled enough, um, you know, th- to to kick a ball and and to make the passes and to play defensively and to do the things that they have to do in soccer. So it's they're not just training to make the Olympic team, uh, they're training to play soccer, but uh, also to have that high work rate, that high intensity, and the fact that Guillermo brought Valde Cantos with him. Obviously, they uh, have a real rapport. There's a trust there. You talked about all that information he's gathering. I would not be at all surprised to find out if that goes into uh, some of the decision making uh, in terms of lineups. If you know, I'm sure that Valdecantos is part of those discussions. When when Guillermo says, "Oh, I really like player A over player B. He's he's performing really well." Valde Cantos is going to step up and say, "Yeah, but player B's fitness is so much higher. He's working much higher in training. He's much more fit. I think you should go with that guy." I, I think that's going to me it. it probably not the final word but I think it's definitely going to influence some of the
0: line
1: Yeah, I mean, it certainly could be a tiebreaker, right? And it certainly could be, hey, this guy isn't fully recovered from our game over the weekend. You know, for whatever reason he's just recovering slower this time and maybe you want to look at starting somebody else if it's a tiebreaker or if it's close or you know, that's information that the coaches want um, and need, especially now in, in sort of the modern football. It's about the recoveries, it's about the strength, it's about the conditioning, it's understanding all those parameters uh, before you go and, and sort of put those players uh, back on the field. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see uh, that information being put into place and in plan for, um, you know, for for uh, Guillermo Barascolato to be able to make those those starting lineup picks. So, certainly interesting in terms of, uh, of how it all goes. Uh, the first injury report of the 2019 season sort of goes like this. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos did not play today. Uh, whether he was inside training, we don't know. Uh, that's a leg muscle injury of some sort. And then we have Rolf Felcher, who left the uh, the intrasquad scrim- scrimmage a little bit early. Again, doesn't seem serious, just like Giovanni Johnny Dos Santos doesn't seem serious um, with a leg injury of some sort, but that is sort of where we sit. And I'm sure there's other injuries. We're just finding out for the first time sort of what some of these are um, in terms of, you know, knocks and other things. So we'll, uh, we'll try to keep that yeah, going.
0: We, yeah.
2: Remember, Feltry missed a lot of time last year with an injury, but it wasn't uh, a leg injury. With Gio, when you say a leg muscle injury, you know, I think, I think it, that gets your attention because he's missed so much time with leg issues the last two years. With Rolf, I, I really think this is just a blip. It's just probably very precautionary. His injury last year was a shoulder, right? Clavicle or something. It, it was, was upper body. And it was uh, a, torn, uh, a le-
1: torn pectoral muscle.
2: That's what I said, yeah. That's exactly what, that's what I said, yeah.
1: Yes. I exactly it was, um, yeah.
2: But, yeah, but the, the leg is, is not any way associated with that. Uh, another thing about Valdecapto uh, about, about briefly. He was also asked about the travel in MLS. You hear from the European players all the time the travel is is arduous, and they're not used to these long flights. Canto said that they are very used to that in Argentina, and that the whole training staff knows how to prepare for this. He he said that's not his area of expertise, but he was not unfamiliar with it. He was not intimidated by the fact that they have cross-country flights coming up, and said that, you know, in in South American tournaments, the teams in Argentina will sometimes take take extremely long flights, longer than a cross-country flight here. So that it's not anything that... That worries them, and that they've dealt with that before, and they'll deal with it
1: here. Yeah, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. I Again, I, I think the Galaxy have uh, have done a good job in in sort of recruiting this staff and, and doing that. However, it came about. Uh, Guillermo, Guillermo uh Gustavo, his uh, his evil twin brother. I don't know if he's evil. He seems like a nice guy, but we're going to call him the evil twin until uh, until until told otherwise. Um, and then, of course, uh, Dennis Declosa seemed to be sort of rounding this out. I, you know, I feel like everything is the momentum is certainly trending up for the LA Galaxy in terms of what they have have, but it's also the beginning of preseason and you're making a lot of assumptions on a bunch of different things. Uh, the LA Galaxy, Kevin, will of course start uh, start their preseason uh, scrimmages with the Tuesday game against Miss Kobe, which we already told you about. We told you about Toronto FC uh, coming up on Saturday. If you're looking for streaming information, the Saturday game will be streamed by the LA Galaxy. Uh, that's what I'm told by the uh, representatives there. Uh, tomorrow's closed door scrimmage will not, be screen- uh, will not be streamed and nor should you expect it. Uh, I don't know if you're headed out there, Kevin. I think Larry Morgan, not on Twitter, is going to uh, attempt to be in attendance. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll try to have some updates. I'll have Larry text me, what? and then mm-hmm. I can put that on there. Yes.
2: Who paid the 175
1: for him to get in? Yeah, he, I one we, of the, guys, the we, T-shirt sales. He, he's he's a, he's a small dude, so he just sneaks in under the no. Larry's Larry's a tall guy. Um, now he he's allowed, so open to the media, close to the general public outside of the uh, the ticket sales, but not stream tomorrow. And nor should it be. I know there were people who were like, oh, you should definitely stream that game scrimmage. No, no, you definitely should not. It, it means overall, it means nothing. Uh, in the grand scheme of things. It's a wacky sort of game, my guess is. You could even see end up seeing three lineups uh, in terms of a 30-30-30. Or you could see two 45s uh, and you know, different lineups and, and different minutes. And, and so the results of this mean nothing uh, in, in terms of uh, the overall. Saturday is a little more formal. And so we can learn a little bit more from Saturday, but I wouldn't expect to see guys going past, you know, 45 or 60 minutes on Saturday as you sort of build up to this full game fitness that we've seen. But maybe we'll see something different from Guillermo rivera Maybe these guys are ready and he's going to push these guys to go 90 minutes that way they're tired. Maybe this is all part of the training thing. So we'll, we'll learn a little bit more on Saturday as we start to sort of uh, do some of these things and, and sort of take a look. Um I do have some uh, some some Galaxy uh, questions from our listeners, Kevin. So if you want to uh, tackle those, unless you have anything else that you want to get to,
2: no, let's let's
1: go. Okay, so uh, our first question comes from a Galaxy Fan Talk, and Galaxy Fan Talk says, "Does the starting lineup for the scrimmage tomorrow tell us anything about what the team thinks their lineup will be for the season opener?" Kevin, what do you think?
2: No, because I think you're probably not going to see Felcher. I would I would guess you would not see Felcher. Probably not going to see Giovanni Dos Santos. I don't think that means anything. Um, and, and, you know, I disagree with you a little bit on, on whether or not Glutter um, would try his, his uh, to, try to push some guys in these in the first uh, open game, the February 9th game. I think he wants to get a, lo- a long look at a lot of these trialists. And, I you know, I think you'll see a lot of the trialists tomorrow. Um, you may see uh, token appearances for, from some of the starters, but I, I don't think you're going to see the starting lineup got with Seltzer and, and Giovanni apparently not available.
1: Yeah, and the fact that you saw some of that today uh, lessens the likelihood of it being there tomorrow as well. So, um, you know, again, then that's just sort of, you know, par for the course whenever you look at um, these different uh, different scrimmages and how it goes. I'll tell you this, that the preseason uh, generally means nothing, Kevin. I, I think we've learned over the years, the preseason generally means nothing until it means something, but you don't know it means something until the regular season, and you don't know into the regular season until about, you know, 10 games into the regular season, whether the preseason meant anything. So trying to draw parallels with what is happening, I mean, I think the big thing here is that Guillermo beres was really talking about a team that worked well together, Kevin, that understood each other um, and that had that chemistry. And you have a team that is mostly returning. So if you're looking for anything in the preseason, it's that they're building on that familiarity that they had last year, that they're able to understand each other. So, you know, you would hope this year that the Galaxy don't start off as slow as they did last year because they already understand each other and, you know, everybody's sort of already thinking in that one mind and introducing the few new names that you have in there, you know, is sort of the only chemistry issue that you might have. So uh, for me, anyway, uh, that's what I'm looking for in the preseason as, as it continues and, and goes forward. you have anything to add to that or can I go on to the uh, next no. one? Go on to the next one. All right. Next one. Uh, let's see. Galaxy Seuss says, uh, from the training videos in L.A. and highlights Boca Juniors under his guidance, Guillermo Barros Schelotto seems to like waist-high crosses. Is he not taking advantage of Zlatan or is he creating conditions for Zlatan to get the coveted goal of the year? Uh, I would say that trying to uh, take anything from just, you know, some, some random videos, uh, you have to look at the personnel who are available. Uh, if you have somebody like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you're certainly not going to use his, his head. Uh, that's one of his, uh, his real strengths. Um, his physicality is a strength, and I think that, you know, ultimately you're going to see that Guillermo Berescoloto is going to be able to uh, find that. Now, I'll say this, just in training, Sometimes in training, you just want to train some things, Kevin, that are low crosses that you want to put in behind players, and you certainly saw that from uh, from some of the training videos. Sometimes you want to do that because you know that there are going to be certain situations where that is going to come in handy, and you also know that you're always going to be able to sort of default to that higher cross to, to Zlatan's head. But for me, I, I don't think this is uh, this early in preseason. I don't think you can draw any conclusions on that.
2: Well, and Ziggy talked a lot last year about how it actually was a problem for a while that Zlatan did want high passes, uh, corners and crosses into the box, um, and there were players that were not comfortable doing that. It didn't seem to play to the rest of the team. Uh, the point is, Zlatan wanted the, the high ball, and it was an issue last year. Um, so I, I think you'll see that again next year, obviously, or this coming year. I think Zlatan's made it very clear how he wants the ball. He's the, He's the star. He's the guy with the 22-goal season, so... Yeah, I wouldn't read anything into those videos. And and you're absolutely right. It it depends on the skill set. If you have a guy that's great in the air like Zlatan and has that height advantage, you're going to give him the ball uh, the the way that he wants it. you have a little guy like Landon Donovan, the ball is going to come in quite a bit lower.
1: Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Landon, Landon still had some hops, but yeah, you want to play it uh, a little bit lower on the ground. Uh, let's see. Antonio writes in and says, how do you see the Galaxy doing in the summer with Gold Cup and Copa America? Uh, he says we could lose four players, uh, the two Dos Santos brothers, uh, Sebastian Lejet and Rolf Felcher, and maybe even Antuna uh, if he lights up. So do you think the Galaxy are going to be struggling at all with, uh, with some of these international call-ups?
2: Well, that's why they're going to have to build the depth. That's going to be a big part of it. You're going to have to have options on a number of different positions. Um, you know, whether or not both the Santos brothers are even on the team, we don't know that yet. Um, you know, guys will be called up by other teams too. You know that uh, the Ola Kamara is going to miss some time. Norway is going to play at some point. Right. Uh, you know, d- during the year, so there will be guys going in. out. that's just part of the uh, the sport. You know, we don't have a World Cup, so there's not going to be that long period of time. The Gold Cup's a little bit extended. But you don't have to travel, uh, you know, great distances and through a number of time zones. So the the amount of time that players miss and, and the amount of time that they need to get back into the groove when they come back. As much as I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as last year.
1: Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it, it will be. But at the same time, uh, I'll say this: I don't consider the Galaxy extremely uh, deep in some positions. Any injury, any sort of international abs- absence on the uh, on the back line would be, you know, potentially uh, an issue for the LA Galaxy right now as they're currently constituted. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any more good questions that we have here. Um, uh, Josh Martinez writes in and says uh, any update on whether the Galaxy will live stream the preseason friendly tomorrow the answer is no on Tuesday yes on Saturday so that should sort of say and as far as I know they're going to stream all of those official ones um, if they play any other games at any other different times we'll, we, we'll find out whether that happens I don't know if the Orange County Great Park will be streamed or not uh, that will be interesting but you know you can always just come down to the pregame uh, for our live event on Saturday February 16th at Taps Brewery in Tustin which which is just about 15 minutes away from the Orange County Great Park or the Orange County Pretty Good Park, as Kevin would say. Um, so uh, make sure you can do that, uh, and and we can uh, we can get you ready for that well, game as you're going. Yeah, yeah.
2: And if the they if they if they like streaming and they want visual aids, we could draw pictures of like players running around. And uh, the other thing you, interesting is you just said, uh, are there any other good questions? Why do the questions have to be good when our program is crap? I was say. <laughs> we should not have two separate standards for the the, the, the participants, the, the yeah, listeners. The
1: listeners. I know they they have to put up with us on a regular basis. I should just I should just answer all the questions that they have and uh, and go that way. All right. Uh, let's see, Kevin. Is there anything else that you got, or uh, are we are we no, good to go? No, that's
2: it. And, and I'm almost home. This was great. I did not see anybody on the freeway listening to the pod, so I was not able
1: to wave. Okay. Anybody. That's uh, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry for that. We're we're glad that you could uh, certainly check in and do it while you were driving. I know. Uh, I know the the sound quality gets a little jumpy sometimes, but uh, really honestly, it, it's so good to connect. With Kevin on the regular basis, that we're we're glad that he uh, has the uh, constant ability to stay in contact here with the uh, the home base uh, here at COG Studios. So I'm glad that we could do that. Uh, Kevin, you are getting ready to go to France here pretty soon, right?
2: Barcelona and then France. I understand in Barcelona and in in Marseille and then Paris, both those, all those places have. Uh, soccer teams, so I'm gonna. I've heard Find that. out if I know anything about those teams and see if I can go watch them play.
1: Yeah, I've heard that. Well, uh, well, good luck, safe travels on that, and uh, we'll uh, keep you updated on podcast schedule. I'll say that uh, I'm also doing some traveling for my real job on occasion, so um, this next couple of weeks might be a little spotty. I'm gonna keep you updated on it. Right now, I don't think I'm missing more than one podcast, so I think everybody should sort of be, you know, set and and how it goes, and I'll tell you when that is and which one that is. So, but just keep an eye on our schedule. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, that that's good news you got a job congratulations I, I didn't know
1: that I know it's it's nice every once in a while to, to have something that actually pays bills so we'll see how that goes uh, uh, let's see uh, the final thing I want to say is remember those t-shirts uh, $20 again that closes on February 5th and we have a real nasty habit of just you know discontinuing after the first printing because we think that's cool and fun um, so uh, $20 gets you those uh, shirts best in the galaxy the link will be in the description for the podcast and our live event on February 16th I have a bunch of special guests that I would love to tell you are coming I don't have anybody 100% confirmed yet, so I'm just not going to do that. But I have a bunch of really special guests that I'm, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy, and we're going to have a good time regardless. Uh, we have some games and some prizes and some fun stuff that we're going to do, so uh, please, uh, even if you're not going to the game, come down and hang out with us. Beer, food, all ages welcome. Bring the family. Uh, we're going to be out on the patio, and if it rains, we'll be inside somewhere as well, so we have it all covered, so please come out February 16th at noon at Taps Brewery. Alright, Kevin, anything Boy, else?
2: You didn't... You did- you did not get confirmation from any of those guys. I thought you had Ronaldo yes. uh, nailed down.
1: Yeah, yeah. He apparently not. Apparently, he's he's his agent oh. said he'd get back to me. That's what he said. Him and Messi. Yeah. That's what okay, that's what. Well, I heard. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, If you are looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, you, of course, can find him at KBaxter11 uh, and then head on over to the LATimes.com for all of his soccer coverage covering the U.S. Men's National Team, U.S. Women's National Team, LA Galaxy, LAFC, uh, right there at LATimes.com and at KBaxter11. Make sure you follow him. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to galaxy.com. All of our information about our live show coming up on February 16th is at the live button there, or our live Thursday shows also right there on the live button. Click on the shop button. You can get stickers, you can get scarves, and, of course, you can get uh, our T-shirts as long as they're still in print there. But please check it out. Uh, we appreciate all the support you give us. Keeps the lights on, keeps the microphones running and hot and allows us to do these podcasts on a regular basis. All right, that about does it. LA Galaxy enter their first game week of the 2019 preseason, a game on Tuesday and a game on Saturday. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guestman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on
0: cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at galaxypodcast.com. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye everybody.